Welcome to Real Nerd Hours. We're doing it live today for the yeah. very first time. Uh, I'm here with a very special guest, young Corey. Vincent. Hey. What's going on, man? Yeah. How you doing? AKA, what's up, pizzas? <laughs> AKA. Mr. Steal Your Squirrel. Uh, I mean, I'm just hanging out, dude. I, I, I'm honored to be on the show, dude. I, I was, uh, you hit me up in the DMs like months ago. So kudos to you guys for like planning these things in advance. I, I respect <laughs> if, that's what, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, I just, you know, to be completely honest with you, like I just figured that it would take us this long just to be able to get an audio set up right. But as it turns out, not actually happening not, either. Not even enough time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And, well, today I'm here, Denzel. I'm your host, Denzel, a.k.a. <laughs> Mr. Hunter Thirst Helmsley, a.k.a. I got your ho-ho loony, a.k.a. Load up both barrels because I'm shotgunning them both, Mr. Biakan. All right, I gotta follow that up. I don't got my AKs on deck, but I am Chet, the other host, aka uh, Superman with a Damn, gun. Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh, 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 uh, ooh. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, uh, aka Flex Luther. <laughs> <laughs> aka Felon DeGeneres on my lesbian swag. <laughs> uh, that's all you're getting today. <laughs> oh, man. Did you did you come prepped with any AKAs? Uh, I I didn't I I, I didn't I I got uh, other I don't know. Okay, Do, does this have to be things people really call me because I, no. I have a few of those. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Most oh, okay. of mine are just my Steam names. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say if these are your real names, Jesus, like that'd be baller if someone called me Flex Luger all the time. No. <laughs> Uh, people call me asshole, uh, <laughs> uh, arrogant bastard. Okay, yeah, that, that's it. Those are the ones I got. There you go. Hey, arrogant bastard's a beer too. So yeah, you know, <laughs> call me oh, yeah. stoned, arrogant <laughs> bastard. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, thank you for joining us this week on this edition of Real Nerd Hours, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nerd shit. This week. Probably esports. We'll find out. Uh, most likely. Most likely. We've got a little bit of anime on Deki Matsui. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we're going we're gonna to chat up your boy, Corey. Thank you for joining us. This is I, sick. I'm, yeah. I'm actually low-key stoked on how this turned out so far. Because even though there aren't really... <laughs> people watching it still looks good it's still looking good <laughs> i just need to actually uh set up my room like yours have a little set that's sick oh yeah yeah so uh is that your first studio yes the one i'm looking at now because like that is already infinitely better than the first studio we had when we did a uh, video game bang for like the first year so you're already come uh, looking really strong over there. So by the time you start getting studio version two rolling, like you'll 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 be balling. Oh, thank you, thank you. So Corey here is the VP of content for both NRG and the San Francisco Shock, the esports team, uh, Overwatch League team. Yes, and 
doing doing your work as a VP of content, is that more so about like telling the stories, telling compelling stories about the players that are on your team and how making them more relatable? Yeah, actually, that's 100% right. Like, that's Easy. the most accurate representation. You've already said it all. We could just move on. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no uh, yeah. in real life. Yeah, that's the one I can't wait to be able to actually have an answer for. But yeah, no, the, the, the content in you know esports super new. Um, it's definitely its own medium. So uh, all the teams are still trying to figure out like what the best storytelling methods are and why we do what we do and what the what is success. And I think uh, the one thing that all the orgs and everybody in esports and even other traditional sports will tell you that people are really more actually maybe not so much traditional sports but definitely in esports right now people are more fans of the players and the talent than they really are a fan of the organizations so I mean, in everything we do go ahead i feel like there's a lot of reasons for that right now you know with with how volatile the team setups are you know, every season you get out of five players, you drop two, you know, so it's really hard to, to stay loyal to a specific organization. Rather yeah, than, and true. You know, if you follow a player, it's easy. True. And like, I guess in traditional sports, too, like I, I live in Sacramento, so like we love the Kings out here and even the, the River Cats. Like if you put Sacramento in front of it, chances are a large majority of us are just going to by nature, regardless of who's on the team, you know, you yeah. just like the Kings. But in esports, it's so all over the place we have a smite team that all lives in europe and then we have you know san francisco shock is kind of the first time we get to experiment with seeing like what's going to happen like now we have a community that we're building we're running events you know all the time out here we're getting the players to come up here and meet the fans and stuff and you know we just uh lost one of our most popular players and it was really tough to lose dante you know he, he went to um the Houston Outlaws, and he was one of our most popular dudes. You put Dante in a video, you tell his story, let him just put a camera on the guy for 10 seconds, and he's gold all the time. And, you know, when we put it out, I was like, are we just going to lose, like, all our fans now? I mean, we have tons <laughs> of other great players. Goose. Yeah, we have tons of other great players and talent, we're going to get more, but there was a lot of people who would just make fan art of him, and they were just huge fans. But, you know, we there's not been drop off like the san francisco fans say yeah man it sucks and it hurts to lose someone that mm. you know meant so much but you know we're we're happy for him hopefully he's a success over there in his team but you know we're still rocking san francisco so it's 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 really interesting overwatch league was the first one to really do like a regional thing do you think that's going to be is going to be more of a shift towards that or is it just going to exist side by side like it's a really interesting idea and i actually really support that but I, do you think it's a I, viable thing i hope so i think overwatch is going to be the one to figure out whether it does or not doesn't and so far year one was a huge success yeah. like you know across the board in front of the scenes behind the scenes everyone is just stoked with how great the first season went and how smooth everything ran yeah, there's things that uh, uh, can change, and I think they've already announced a bunch of changes to like how many games there are per split and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's still little kinks to be worked out, but overall, massive audience, huge fan support from social media to the live broadcasts, and uh, it's a really intriguing format. We've been having tons of success in San Francisco, so I, I can't speak for the other markets, but because um, 
you know, Northern California has just always been known for rabid fan bases anyways. <laughs> yeah, like that's for sure. Kings oh, haven't yeah. been to the playoffs for a decade yet. You know, we'll still show up to just about every single game. We'll sell out 60% of the damn games. Um, so, you know, you've seen the A's and the Giants, you know, go from the worst teams to the best. But, you know, we have super supportive fans. And so that's translated to Overwatch League, luckily. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, I, our closest team is the uh, LA whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that shows you where I'm at with that. <laughs> I think that it's important to be able to like have regional venues, but I think in the first year of Overwatch League, what would have been more impressive would have been to do what Slam Ball did. Do you remember Slam Ball? Oh, oh hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, one of the dudes that I used to play pickup ball with actually was in Slam Ball, and he kind of broke it down how it worked uh, in the later seasons when they tried to do the revival for it. So essentially what they did was in L.A., they had uh, they had the facility to play. Like no team, even though they were called like the Houston Red Rockets or whatever, uh, they were all based out of L.A. Right. And it just made it easier for all the players and everybody to be in the same place at the same time and not necessarily have to be concerned with travel expenditures and you know, like, is this person safe to fly or whatever? Like, are they going to get sick on the plane or whatever? Like, things of that nature. And I think, at least in the first season of Overwatch League, I think that would have been the wave because it would have saved a lot of teams a lot of money. Not to say that anybody who can pay the million-dollar fee for the team is hurting, but, you know. I mean, it's always nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, like, the trade moves and all that, like, it would have – it would have saved a lot of people a lot of trouble, I think, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that that's exactly how they ran the first season. Oh, and did they? Yeah, yeah, they're actually oh, gonna cool. do that this that. year too. They yeah, have a they yeah. built a they built a sick arena down there in L.A. called uh, Esports Arena, and it's on I don't know the same lot that they shot Johnny Carson or something. <laughs> you know, one of those old shows. So it's in there. It's that's amazing. Most Wednesday night fights. I've been yeah. there. Oh, cool. Yeah. It, they have uh like all there yeah all the players and all the teams had like a row of rooms and practice rooms so they all actually practice many of them practice in the same facility and then they would do like taping so they'd take turns and and go out there i think i don't think teams are actually moving into their markets till i don't know 2019 2020 it's nothing near official so i i actually have no clue but um the idea is they will go to their markets but hopefully yeah the the that's perfect look at look at me not know not knowing a thing about how the league operates and then just pulling up from 40 with the right call (laughs) (laughs) damn that's what the kids are calling that galaxy you got the galaxy brain going man yeah galaxy brain memes only it's it's good that everybody is based out of the same spot. Like, how do you, as a VP of content, manage to work with NRG as well as the San Francisco Shock in order to tell these compelling stories? With a lot of help. <laughs> with a lot of help. Now, when it started, like, I've been with NRG. I'm probably one of the most senior staff that they have at this point. Um, I think besides the president... Uh, Brett Lautenbach and the owner Andy Miller. I probably got the most seniority. Of, uh, so I was there when there was just like five of us, and 
it was before shock was even thought of and it was it was still really difficult i reported to one dude who uh they ended up letting go like only a couple months into my you know run there and i had to kind of pick up all of his pieces and do what i was doing and we were doing a lot of contracting because i i you've talked to me and you've talked like i have a good experience with like pro audio i've shot a little bit of short film i've done social media when you do podcasts as you can attest to you have to kind of do everything because there's no one who's going to do it for you yeah so you have to learn how to create this real experience (laughs) (laughs) there's someone who will do it all for me and that's me (laughs) (laughs) hey i see denzel i was you man i was you for the video game bang for years too until we started picking up guys like david webb who took that interest in wanting to learn and then like when I was like, you actually want to help? Like, all right, dude, my, my <laughs> workload got cut in half. But, you know, you made this RNH, Real Nerd Hours, like overlay. Everything that is on this podcast, those headphones that you put on your head to the pop filter in front of your mic, you chose, you know, and put there and placed there perfectly. And you set up and you tear it down and you create the overlays and you figure out how an RSS feed works. And, you know, you have to do everything. You're a marketing guy. You know, you ha- you had to learn how to market this thing. You had to create the Twitter account. You had to figure out what kind of content gets people to listen and track those listens. So, like, that's how I got my my job is just uh, on the side when I wasn't doing my normal job to, you know, pay the bills. I'd put another eight hours into figuring out how to perfect this podcast because it made me feel good. And then it ended up when I started getting my job at Energy, they're like, okay, we need someone to do this. We need someone to interview the player. Well, actually, I have like three years interviewing people. I interviewed porn stars to, you know, Hollywood actors. So I can do it. So they let me interview the players. And, you know, we need someone to go up on stage and record something live. So I would jump in and, you know, just do whatever it took to get the job done. And in a startup, in a company so small, it was super valuable. But now as we're growing and we're, we got time to pull in more specialists, so now we have a director of social media whose whole thing is strategy. He looks at all the numbers and he figures out the best times to post and allows me to do a little bit more of the creative. So it's a whole shifting thing and it's it's really exciting and fun. And that's why for me personally, you know, everybody has their like thing. This is the thing that I care about. My, the thing I care about most is creative people activating their creativity and turning it into things that can sustain their their lives so uh, you're not sitting there working your dead-end job that you hate you know so you having a podcast that's why i've never turned down an opportunity to be on a podcast there's because i I don't know if i I, when i was starting out anytime anyone said yes to me it was like a surprise it was like oh shit like (laughs) we have a guest now like why would they be on this little show? Like mine, mine was so insignificant at the time. Like you've already got, like I was saying that what's impressive because this is your first setup. You're already live looking way better than we ever did. So by the time you hit, you know, years and years into this crap, you guys are going to be 10 times better than we were. And that's what I, what I, what excites me about all this stuff. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) It's it's important to be able to, at least for me, to have an outlet outside of the work that I do. Not to say that like I hate my job or anything. It's just not something that's completely engaging for me. And it doesn't do what the podcast does for me as far as like creativity goes. Like I, it turns out that I have a thing for, um, I don't even know how to phrase this. It's not necessarily branding. But like just kind of 
dicking around doing graphic design type stuff, even though like I'm not any good at it. It's still a lot of fun to do. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say you are still better than a lot of the people I graduated with. Okay, cool. Ha! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Booyakasha. It's your boy, young graphic designer over here. Aha! And I have a bunch of books. I have a bunch of design books. I have I have so many different things. And that's what makes you better. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I like doing it. And this podcast is a great way to be able to do that. And I want to continue doing it. And it's a fantastic outlet. Yeah. It's good yeah. 100%. 100%. So do you do you run any podcasts uh, for for any of the organizations you're with? Um, no, nothing like official that's had a title or anything. Uh, I think the in the next few years, it's definitely more possible. Like podcasts are kind of not that they stopped growing or shrunk, but now they're starting to get a boost again. Like have you heard of the streamer Pokimane? Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing streamer popular, but even she, she just started a podcast and she does it live on her Twitch channel and actually calls it a podcast, you know, which is, you know, really amazing. I love just hearing the word podcast outside in normal life so like so seeing her do it i've had other people message me kind of out of the woodwork like hey i'm thinking about starting a podcast now like hey what what, what kind of equipment do i need and that's the stuff i like to, that's that shit i do like so i've been <laughs> trying to like give people a bunch of like you know advice and um and even at work the thought of people starting podcasts um some of our influencers to you know, what if we did just like an all Overwatch podcast or you know, maybe a sponsor would be interested in this or that. So uh, it, not officially yet, but not for lack of trying. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's a good good kind of way to monetize if you have enough listeners, because there's definitely a lot of money out there once you are past a certain threshold. But before then, it's kind of you're just like sitting, you're waiting in the water a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But good Getting thing, better. we're not here for the money. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> we are ready to sell out whenever anyone Oh, wants. God, yes. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of selling out is not something that I even care about. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a real thing to me. Selling out is like being able to, like, I don't know, buy a different car or being able to eat different meals during the week. You know what I mean? That's not that. even a bad thing. Yeah, I it's the concept of selling out is a very let's call it juvenile concept yeah because like when you've been working a nine to five and someone's like hey we're gonna give you a bunch of money to do what you want to do but you just have to have to do it the way we want it it's like yeah sign me up let's go yeah yeah i think i think there's a fine line i i i'm openly too like cool to selling out but you know if the the Donald Trump Foundation came up to me and was like, "Hey, we'd like to sell some ad space on your podcast." I, I would like to believe I'm the type of person who would turn it down. I'm not going to make any guarantees because <laughs> I haven't actually had that situation. But I'd like to say that if some evil conglomerate LexCorp comes up to me and is trying to sell ad space on our show, I would turn it down. See, I have less scruples than you. I would definitely take the money, but then I would, <laughs> on the show, I would just preference it 
all to hell and say like, hey, you know what? They paid us a lot of money to do this. So, I mean, like, of course, like, what kind of person would I be if I were to turn down $15 million for an ad read? Like, come on. Like, let's be honest. Now I'm the asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with getting paid. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, like, look, there, there are definitely issues that come up. If you are getting paid and you're getting paid to do something unethical, but like if you're just doing an ad read for somebody or if somebody's like sliding you mad money and I'm not, I'm not going to say like up, like I support this message. Like, I mean, there is, I support the money that they're giving me for this message. I support them supporting me. Yeah. This is this is me buying a new house. <laughs> I mean, the struggle is real out there for content creators these days. It seems like uh, you know people aren't throwing around money, especially to podcasters, because a lot of people don't understand it quite yet. Like it's not a Twitch stream. Like the fact that you know our like even our streams, like we get a healthy amount of viewership. You know, to not quite sell out hardcore, but we're you know not struggling along either. But still, there's just no money in the podcast form because they can go and give less money to a Twitch streamer, you know, and you can actually see those followers in the chat interaction and things like that. So, like, I feel like there's a stigma that because it's a podcast, you know, it's listened to over time, it's episodic. But I feel like the connection that you have is actually really strong, especially for a podcast that's been around forever. But Besides your, you know, average listener numbers and and stuff like that, it's really harder to sell sponsorships unless you hit these big tens of thousands of download numbers each month. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Somebody got. Oh, I was going to change the subject a little bit, but uh, that brings me to a question that I've always kind of wondered in the esports space. What do teams do to make money? Is it all just ad revenue? Like what? Where is the profit in this as a team um if it comes from i i don't have like the highest like i couldn't give any sort of like breakdown of like oh well this percentage wise it's this but i know that it helps when you have winning teams (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) especially in games like counter-strike where they're you know regularly playing for you know their share of hundreds of thousands rocket league has a million dollar prize pool on worlds um smite i think is 500k and the orgs do take a percentage uh you know it's a smaller percentage and you know but uh, i think the rest of it does come through like uh you can monetize streams so uh when a player is on the the stream team you know i think there's a a percentage there and um also just through like you said i think the lion's share of it though does come through those sponsorships like wearing those jerseys when they're on stage being watched by you know hundreds of thousands of people each week there's a lot of value that that has Definitely. and credibility into a very very thriving millennial market um there's no better way right now to connect with those 13 to like i don't know i'd, I'd go as far up to 30 35 year olds that are you know have a lot of money looking to spend it on things than esports right now yeah that's for sure yeah it's definitely kind of a newer market that we're seeing arise for older people in gaming stuff because people now have aged up for gamers like or people who play games uh like oh we were we were kids once and we played games and we still play games and now we've got a little bit of extra dosh to throw around and now we can afford to kind of just 
you know, splurge a little bit, treat ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like to think I'm above the influence because I'm part of the machine, but I'm really not <laughs> like at all. Like I hang out with the counter-strike team and daps, you know, had on a really fly pair of ultra boosts. And I was like, damn, those shoes are dope. You know, I'm, I'm going to get me some of those. And that was the goal because daps and all the other dudes are all wearing the ultra boosts and they're, they're talking about how comfortable they are. And I think they look awesome. So as soon as I was able to scrounge enough pennies together, I went out and bought a few pairs of ultra boost because of these guys. And there I think go. there's, you know, you see what they're playing on stream, what headphones they're wearing. And you're like, Oh, I want to be a little bit, you know, I want a game like that guy. And if he's as good as he is and he's using those things, yeah, I can, I can do it too. So, so where's the Adidas sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it right now. Why, why do you think I'm here? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real move. As soon as, as soon as, Nike or Adidas or any other large sportswear brand is coming out the woodwork to start sponsoring like streamers or teams like that's when all of it becomes like super super real yeah I want Supreme to sponsor a team oh god that'd be <laughs> trash that'd be trash I actually I, I have a tattoo I was I was waiting for that opportunity to show you guys <laughs> so you're gonna sell your corpse once you're dead just put it up on display it's no. real dead stock <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i i've never been a huge fan of like limited release stuff and like overhyped limited release stuff well i used to be mm. a big big fucking hype beast back in my teenage years Used to be big into fucking sneakers, big into Supreme, <laughs> big into Stussy, big like any brand you could name at the time, like Ten Deep, Artful Dodger, all of that. Yep. That was me back then. And eventually, I got really, really, really tired of like fighting people on release day, figuratively, because I never actually would fight people. You're and the one. you would get to know people who worked at these shops, and you could like maybe sneak a little release, like sneak a little cop in here. Like, because people, people are people. Like, if you're friends with them, they'll fucking hook you up. Yeah. So I realized that at the end of the day, I'm buying up stock that could go to somebody else. And, like, because I'm the homie or whatever, I'm getting it first. And, like, that's cool, but... As soon as that dries up, do I still want to be out here standing in line? No. <laughs> the answer is no. I Yeah. Oh. You you're absolutely right. And what you're tapped into as well is that 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 urge that you, you know, have already like experienced and are now cool with not being a part of is like what is single-handedly running like money in video games right now. It's exclusivity. Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of Pokemon Go, admittedly, and they'll do like, all right, for 24 hours, Pikachu has a red hat on and it's sideways. And I'm like, bitch, I'm going outside right now. I'm not going to come back until I get Pikachu with a red hat because it's only for this weekend. Yeah, and you know, Fortnite, you can only get this Galaxy skin if you buy the Samsung, you know, so and you got to have that Samsung because I saw Ninja had it, you know, so it's like that whole exclusivity run i was about to just drop 200 bucks on those goku adidas because i was like oh man they're so sick there's only like a thousand of them but yeah. I, yeah. but yeah that's ex it's how everybody's making money right now in video games it's these limited run one week only you have know you can have, have a like it used to be back in the day that when something was exclusive it was legit hard to get 
you had to know about it. You had to be really plugged in. But with the ubiquity of the internet, and they can say like, "Yo, there's only ten thousand of these things. Go get them." Like everyone knows, and now it's even more of a rat race just to get it in the first place. Uh, I'm I'm holding it up if you're, for your uh, people who are watching in the Twitch stream, but it's uh this controller I got this Fort uh, not Fortnite, but it's a Vault Boy limited run. So it's made by one of those third party companies like Mad Cats or something like that. So I mean, technically, it's probably pretty trash, but it's <laughs> Fallout Four themed, and they made five thousand of them. So I was like, I remember camping out that morning because I was like, I love Fallout. I want this controller. It's wired. It's not even wireless. Like everything about it says like you just paid way too much about this thing. I didn't even leave it in the box. First thing I did is rip it out and start playing with it. But it was so like limited and exclusive. And I love that property that I was like, I'm going to, you know, waste my money on it. And I don't think it's a waste. I still use it, but it wasn't my brightest purchase. Fair enough. As yeah. long as you didn't cop it off of eBay for like 10 times the retail, then you're good. Yeah. That's something I will do anything for love, but I will not do that. <laughs> Ah, uh, man. All right, you want to get into this uh, three, Two Truths and a Lie? Yeah, sure. I got a couple of, couple of anime things for you guys. Okay. So we, we do this little thing. Uh, we both hate anime, even though we watch a lot of it. We, yeah, despite it all. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely despise anime. It's the worst thing on the planet, even though, you know, I'm watching things from this season. SSS, Gridman. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I still Pretty cool. Uh, but I will say we do this two truths and a lie thing, which is really, really kind of crazy. And if I do recall correctly, you said that you don't know a ton about anime. Uh, that'd be correct. Yeah, I know. Well, don't worry. Because these are going to be uh, kind of general things. You don't have to know a bunch about anime. The point is that these are going to be obscure facts and uh somewhat believable lie so just just follow your heart follow your okay heart. all right i will do that all right round one first a noted fan of american films hayao miyazaki about based howl of howl's moving castle off of keanu reeves who ended up turning down the role so christian bale ended up being cast in his place second Hayao Miyazaki won an Academy Award for Spirited Away, but didn't attend the award ceremony because of his opposition to the Iraq War. And third, American author Neil Gaiman wrote the English adaptation for Princess Mononoke. What's it going to be, boys? I so I don't know what any of these like <laughs> what's true, what's false. Uh, I'm going to guess that he didn't attend uh, the ceremony because of his opposition to the Iraq war. I'm going to guess that that's a lie. I think that maybe he didn't, and this could be just total, this is a total guess. He probably didn't attend it because he didn't care. <laughs> it is the only anime movie to have ever won an Academy Award. So oh. that was actually a really big deal. Oh, well then... Damn it, that's the lie. <laughs> okay. Uh, Corey, what you got? What you think? Oh, I am so out of my element right now, but I would say uh, Keanu Reeves. Seems ah, unbelievable. Okay. Corey, you got it correct. Oh, god damn <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, Christian Bale did do the voice, but no, I can't read. I was watching uh, Devil's Advocate while I wrote that question. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. Oh, and yeah, Neil Gaiman actually did the English adaptation for Princess Mononoke, and they were like, they had an official adaptation, and they're like, yo, Neil Gaiman, you're good at this shit. Why don't you also write one, and we'll fight over who gets the actual adaptation. I don't know which one ended up winning, but... I mean, was it for a live-action movie? No, it was just for, like, the localization. Oh, okay, okay. I would like to see a live-action Princess Mononoke written by Neil Gaiman. I would actually fuck with that. Yeah, that sounds sick. Yeah. 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 Someone get on that. Someone call up... (laughs) Call up Neil. (laughs) Let Neil know. Yeah. (laughs) Round two. There is an anime character who had 22 different voice actors over the course of two seasons. An astronaut once had a cameo in an anime recorded directly from the International Space Station. Or (coughs) Antonio Banderas lended his voice for the Spanish-speaking for the voice of the Spanish-speaking Pepe Iglesias in Megalobox. The fuck? I don't even know. Mm. I want to say the space station thing is a lie, but it's wacky enough to be true. Uh, what was the first one again? Uh, there's a character with 22 different voice actors. Yeah, that's definitely true. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that's the true one as well. And I think there's going to be some stipulation of like... He had multiple personalities, so they had you know a bunch of different actors playing him. So that, that's where I'm going. Oh, that that's a pretty good way to go. All right, so so what's the lie? Uh, I don't know. Antonio I, Banderas is a prolific voice actor. Yeah, he is. But I'm I'm gonna say that's the lie. Could they even afford to get him? They're probably not. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the lie. All right, cool. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the character with the 22 different voices was primarily mute so it was a gag that they would do like they would have her talk once in an episode and it would just be a different voice each time ah see i knew there'd be something tricky in there yeah nice and for the iss thing it was like it was an anime about space and i guess they were like oh this would be fun if we actually got a voice actor fucking in space so i guess they did that it must have been expensive as hell well yeah probably (laughs) Yep. All right, round three. First, the name Gundam is supposed to be a portmanteau of gun and freedom. (laughs) A very American name. (laughs) Second, in G Gundam, the only reason Holland made it to the finals of the Gundam fight is because their Gundam, which looks like a windmill, docked with a bunch of actual windmills and went unnoticed for 11 months. And third, <laughs> despite being 16, Cheng Wu Fei is shown to have a wife and child in Gundam Wing. That last one sounds about accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that sounds like something that would happen in an anime. But you know what? I'm going to say that's a lie. Oh, okay. I'm going to say that's a lie. Corey, what you got? I mean, I know anime gets really weird, but that windmill thing just seems <laughs> even weird for anime. So I, I, I'm going to go 
with the windmill thing. All right. So Denzel got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The windmill thing was real. G Gundam was fucking wacky. <laughs> oh, God. That's so weird. Uh, anime, man. Anime. If you, if, if you ever decide that you want to dip your toes into the anime pool, I can definitely recommend a bunch of stuff to you, Corey. But I don't know that anime is worth worth the trouble. There's, I can't say it is. <laughs> I can't in good conscience. I'll say some are, but as a whole, as a medium, mm-mm. Dog, there's an anime where girls are like cans of soda. They're like they turn into cans of soda. They're, do you, they're, do you remember Akikan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We I, there's an anime where old warships are cute anime girls. Yeah, like the USS Iowa and USS Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Those are girls. Uh, <laughs> anime man, anime. Can't believe this. It's Fucking awful. It is the worst. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we're making pins that say anime sucks. Not yours soon. <laughs> it should be, for those of you listening at home, excited. Hey, when, when can I purchase one of these anime sucks pins? I need the world to know that I feel that anime sucks, which is entirely accurate. Uh, you can buy one, uh, I don't know, probably at the beginning of November or something. We're going to do pre-orders because the pins are going to take a little while. Uh Apparently, China was on a national holiday from October 1st to 7th, so the pins weren't getting done, and they take about four weeks to do. And also, it's very busy over there because everybody's (laughs) getting their orders in for uh, the holiday season. So, there you go. That's That's an interesting fact and industry that I would have never thought twice about until that. that, that, So, thank you for that. No, you're very welcome. You know, we're, we're here... To provide knowledge. Uh, number one things that we learned today. One, anime sucks. I mean, we, we should have already known that. But in <laughs> case you had any doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, getting things made is is something else. Uh, having like a third party do the making for you. Yeah. It's really, it's actually kind of interesting. But that we can save that for another time. I mean, I got I, that's that's it for the uh, two truths and a lie. But I got a couple other things to ask yeah. of uh, of our guest here for sure. I, uh, I mean, being that you're kind of spearheading or co-spearheading, being the VP, but whatever, uh, getting your players' personalities out there. What do you think about like? I mean, my my first experience with this was when. Uh, BTS did the Summit of Power for Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball. Oh Fire. yeah, I'm uh, sick of it. Yeah, that was a really cool event, by the way. But uh, they did a bunch of side games of like Jenga and Mafia, and that was it. But what do you think about like bringing more players' personalities out via different games than the ones that we're used to seeing them in? Um, it's. <laughs> Working with players is uh, awesome because, you know, you're working with some really talented, incredible 
people, trendsetters out there and stuff, and they do mostly have very interesting stories. So, uh, let's say they all do. Like, you know, everybody I believe out there has a story to tell, you know, from the guy. Anybody you pass on the streets probably got a crazy story better than any movies you've seen. But uh, the other thing, <laughs> though, is that they're also young and a lot of times very uh, protective over their images. So, uh finding those exact games that are still culturally like acceptable to play where they're not just going to get memed to death because that's the other thing about the esports audience in general is that they're constantly just looking to meme something like there's people out there like i put a post out and i'll put the wrong tag or i'll put a double period or you know something weird and then there's always a dude who screenshots it and then when we put up the next one, not even two seconds later, it's like, ha ha, gotcha, you idiots. Like, look at you put two periods. So if they're doing that to me Where's on a social media, Twitter, Where's come on, man, come, bruh, let's get that thing going. But like, so imagine a player gets talked into doing, I don't know, it's something really embarrassing, but it, you know, it's going to be amplified to them. So it's finding the right game. We recently did a really cool series I'm very proud of. Uh I had little to do with it, but I'm still proud to be associated with it. Is the um uh we have a rivalry with the LA Valiant, who's one of the LA teams. And we're pulling the whole NorCal SoCal thing. It's all to promote this event called the California Cup, where it's going to be the first time ever uh teams are going to be playing a outside event uh, event from Overwatch League in their markets, so it's kind of a real oh. cool test to see like how many people can we get to show up to a thing. What kind of, kind of entertainment do they want when there aren't matches playing? Like we, we can do whatever we want, which is the most exciting thing. But we're gonna do one event in LA, and then we're gonna do one up in um, in San Francisco or in, uh, Oakland at Esports Arena. And we were like collaborating with LA Valiant, and so we were like, okay, let's get the teams. You pull your four best guys. We'll get our four guys. And we'll go play basketball. We'll go do Jenga. And we basically spitball a whole bunch of ideas. Maybe we'll have them do a dance-off. But then we go to the players and be like, okay, which one of these would you even be interested in? And then they come back to us and say, you know, these ones are fun. No, this one's cringe. This one's that. This one's the other thing. And then we put it together and we had a really big shoot day. We've been rolling out that content like cool. over the, like a week, a uh, couple week long rollout plan hyping this event. So that is definitely something on the radar you know the first thing everyone does when they come in it's like what if we had the call of duty team play against the smite guys in smash bros and in in theory that is compelling content we got to get the fan base to care about those people enough and then you know these guys are busy you know like yeah. the smite guys are in the world championship crunch when when call of duty came out i had codes to give them to stream the beta and they're like we really appreciate it we want to create the content but we, we got to win worlds so we to be honest, none of us will have the time to play it. So you got to constantly, that's another huge obstacle in, in content and esports is like giving the athletes their time to practice and prepare and feel good mentally and physically for some of these big events and travel without like, you know, trying to get a couple thousand likes on a video or something. Yeah, it, it is an interesting balance that I hadn't really considered because all of those things are distractions. And so when you're trying to be world champion out here, like, okay, cool, mafia is fun, but what's that going to do for me? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's these guys are athletes first and foremost. They, you know, they want to be the best. 
energy uh what i love about them is that they do an incredible job of not just picking top tier talent but they pick top tier personalities so like you were talking about dragon ball z we have two of the best and brightest and yeah, most you know personable dudes yeah <laughs> yeah steve they're they're just sick dude they're like really genuine dudes like we put something up on energy that they're they love the org we love them we support them they support us like Nairo is another one who's yeah. like the poster boy, in my opinion, of energy of just like hardworking, self-made, you know, just every bit of the nice guy you see on his stream. He is in real life. And, you know, people just are drawn to that, that type of thing. So his stories like are, are pretty much built in. It makes my job super easy. You know, every team has their thing. If, I don't know if you guys have seen Energy Smite, but uh, those guys, they are the best team to ever live in and play that game. And they are the most entertaining. Like they're posting pictures before worlds of them, like hugging the toilet, throwing up, you know, because they just partied so hard. And then they'll go win a world championship the God next damn. day. If these guys were playing League of Legends, legit, they'd be millionaires. Like if they were able to t translate their success with their personality, that's like a full package deal. So it's just, yeah, it's just letting the personality shine through in an authentic way. If they're into Jenga or we can get them to go bowling, like we'll definitely do it. But we don't want to force them into these awkward situations to ruin their brand or like, you know, that they'll get pissed off at the org. They're like, oh, they make us do stupid shit. You know, let's go do something else. Do you think that it's more important in somebody that would be recruited to a team to have like uh, a decent personality? Or would you rather like skill over personality? Oh, can I can I interject? Go ahead. <laughs> I I think an important distinction on that one is team games versus solo games. Uh, yeah, that's true. I I know following like Dota and stuff. There are certain teams where it's like these are individually great players, but they don't get along, or like even just their play style doesn't really gel with each other, and they're just can't can't make it work mm -hmm. so with that in mind give us the mm. expert opinion <laughs> i don't know I, I think it definitely has to be the right kind of personality like all these orgs in in esports it's important to have their own uh you know their own identity things you identify with like it just you, you don't want to be just a blob of you know unrecognizable this so you have like cloud nine when you see a cloud nine jersey and you see the, the the way their graphics look and everything it's very like we're the good guys you know like this yeah. is positivity in esports we're blue and white baby you know we're gonna do that thing and then you get tsm you know which is just black and white and they're just like we're the best we've won every single league of legends ever and we're going to until the day you die so if you want to be a part of the best you like tsm energy's aesthetic has always been like whether we're you know we're always competitive, but whether we're winning or we're losing, we're always competitive and we're always having the most fun. Like where Shaq is one of our investors. So we are kind of the embodiment of a Shaquille O'Neal where we're the biggest kids out there. We're going to meme you hard. We'll throw some banter out there. We're not going to back down from anybody. And then we win world championships too. Like we have, no you know, yeah, no, no big. And it comes naturally. It's not forced. So when we when we're doing things like you're talking about when we're looking at players, you can have we, we want players that fit our family who are going to contribute and who are going to want to you know do fun stuff occasionally, but are also going to have like a, a nasty competitive side to them too, where you know we're going to 
you know, take the world on. So you can't say because we we have guys who are quiet and then are, you know, killers. And then you have the dudes who are outspoken and nutty and want to, you know, (laughs) you you have to kind of talk off the ledge a little bit. Like, hey, dude, that tweet was a little crazy. Calm down. man. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need a heated gaming moment out here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh. So it, it's it's just all about the fun it, it, from an energy perspective. We want the best competitive players, but we want the guys that are out there having fun and that people care about and want to hear their stories more. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's a good outlook to have. I mean, I, I've come up playing basketball basically through my teenage years up until my early 20s organized basketball. And being on a team with people – that you don't get along with or people who uh, very uh, would be considered very abrasive. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. And like as as somebody who is highly opposed to taking the high road at any point in life, <laughs> uh, being told to take the high road when like you've got somebody on your team who's better than you and is also shitting on you at the same time very very complex situation (laughs) it is and and luckily for me like i'm so far removed from that and it helps me in my job because the last thing i need is to be trying to reach out to a player or to go out on a shoot and he you know he's trying to talk money with me or you know we're negotiating some sort of thing or they're asking questions or this or that like i try and be the most unbiased like hey i work for the org i i in charge of making dank content for your fans to build your brands so uh, they're kind of a blank slate i stay as far away from any dealings or you know signings and stuff and i just have to deal with the the outlook and luckily there's people you know much smarter than me in the gm roles like uh you know we have derek and and jamie some dudes in the org who just are putting in work every day and working in collaboration with the players because I don't know how many teams or sports how they run, but you know, typically the players kind of dictate who's on the team with with management, and they kind of look at things and decide. Well, you know, we love this guy, but you know, we we really want to win, so I think we have to cut. You know, so <laughs> things happen. You know, it's it's pretty crazy, and I just get told in a meeting like, okay, by the way, we're losing this guy, and we're picking up these guys, and you know, all right, it sucks. I'll reach out and tell them I love them, and if you need anything, hit me up. But, you know, we got to move on to tell these new stories. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, esports aside, what's the worst movie you've paid to see in the last year? Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's sucks. fresh. It, yeah. It's, I was mad. I, I've seen such mixed reviews. People love it and then people hate it. But I feel like the people whose opinions I trust all hate it. I made the fatal flaw. Like I'm, I don't even like movies. Like I'm just preface <laughs> by saying I love video games and I love comedy, but I don't really care about movies like everyone else does. So I'll go see Avengers and stuff like that, but I'm not a movie buff. Um, I just know what I like. I know it's bad. So when I go see a movie, I go in low ass expectations. Like, all right, this can be a giant piece of crap, and uh, it's cool. I'm just paying for the experience. But I love Venom mad. It oh. it somehow disappointed me having the lowest expectations. Like, Damn. it's so bad. How how does a Fox only ruined Deadpool once, and now Sony's killed 
venom twice it's, it's impossible that <laughs> <laughs> is rough out here <laughs> oh geez right, so you're big into comics american comics I wouldn't have uh, see again, not big, but like we, we're sponsored by uh, Oblivion Comics and Coffee. A couple friends of mine won like Sacramento Shark Tank, essentially, where they get a whole bunch of money to start their own business. And it was this comics and coffee place. So that really got me back into it. So I go there once every week and I pick up my new comics, drink some coffee and like get, just keep educated because it undoubtedly comes up in Twitch chat. You know, people want to know what you think about, you know captain america the bad guy now what do you think and so you gotta have an opinion and think about it so i'm not huge into it but i definitely appreciate it mm-hmm. i feel you i feel you for sure for sure so uh on on video games what's your game what's the one game where you're like all right motherfucker money match me. let's go i'm the best <laughs> i'll fuck you me. up uh damn dude it sucks because working in esports i thought through osmosis some of the skills would trickle down (laughs) i went to a party and they were playing smash 4 and like i've spent a lot of time with nairo he's my boy i love that guy like i don't know what i'd do without nairo he he's amazing to work with just the nicest guy we've done I, i love him but his skills does not go through osmosis so i picked zero suit i insta locked her i was like anyone at this party's going down i'm about to just ladder kick you off the top just because i've seen it a million times i can do you it know. now yeah no i got fucking bodied <laughs> so hard i guess overwatch but I, i'm even an okay player there um but i i think the one that i wish i'm gonna get good at is gonna be smash ultimate i'm gonna right. get that smash day ultimate. one that's your game let's money yeah. match once that drops please see me oh i'm hitting the lab dude i'm hitting the lab with these resources with, with this big brain yeah, iq you got, like you probably got <laughs> much better options for tutors <laughs> yeah but you know what see me see me in smash see my ryu who's your main i uh, i want to remain ryu mostly oh, because okay. on the one-on-one how he always faces the opponent dude <laughs> i'm so glad that's a thing now i am so hyped for that he is like my second go-to because I did put a lot of time into Street Fighter Four and a little bit of Five when it came out. So I, I, I'd say I was an okay. Like I can definitely beat any friend, you know. Okay, but if I go yeah. to a tournament, I'll get bodied. But you know, if you play like an average person, a button masher, you can beat them with relative ease. But uh, so I tried to translate that to Smash, and it did not. Again, just didn't work right. But with this new update with him and uh, Ken, you know, being brought in as a Echo Fighter, it's He's going to be uh, definitely better than he was in four. Yeah, I'm with it. You're going to have a training montage set up like the video for In the Club by 50 Cent. You're just going to be <laughs> hanging from the ceiling with your controller. <laughs> I'm ready for this. Uh, Corey, you still have time? Uh, I have, yeah, a little bit of time. All right, cool. I mean, that was all the prepared questions I had. All right, cool. So what's what's your future looking like like in in esports? Like what do you what do you what are your goals in esports? Um man, get money, dude. I think <laughs> if I had to summarize it in one thing, it's just get money. Um no, nah, I wish I was joking. It, it kind of is. Like <laughs> I, I, I mean, love I mean, what I, I you're working a job. Hell yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I love, absolutely love what I do. And I remember when I first got it, because I was working at a completely unrelated job. It was like a radio station job, technical, had nothing really to do with the arts or creativity whatsoever. And I remember just dreaming about getting out and into that. And now that I did, you know, that first year, two and a half, like it was all about now, what do I do to not fuck it up? Like, how do I just not get fired? <laughs> and now I've, ha- I've had some hits, man. I've, I've, had an articles written about some of the work I've done. Uh, one of the most successful things I ever did was called the Baby Bay Challenge in the Overwatch League, which was one of the most viral marketing campaigns that the, any team, even the league itself, had seen. And so I have a resume now. And now it's just about, you know, now I've lost the fear. Now it's time about, like, how do I become the best? Or, you know, how do, how do I improve even more? How do I make myself invaluable to my company? How do I make the people around me better? How do I spread positivity through the work I'm doing? And so those have kind of been my focuses lately. And um, I still don't know how it's going to pan out or where it's going to go or what my potential is, but uh, I'm just having fun trying to figure it all out right now. Cool. Very cool. Say, actually, if someone wanted to break into esports on, say, the production side, what do you, what would you say is a good path to take for getting into that? Um, You have to be doing it. You have to, you, you absolutely cannot be the guy who's been talking about starting a podcast for three years and never got it off the ground or the guy who talks about making short films and, you know, has made one every two years or something like that. Like you have to be the doer and you have to do it now, like, like, and a lot and consistently. And that's only the first part. You have to do that for a long time with zero notice and you have to be okay with that. That's like your proving grounds. Like all those hours I spent making stupid ass show art for video game bang ended up being a career thing because now when our really good graphic designers are busy, which is all the time, I get to also be like, all right, I'll pick up X, Y, and Z graphic, make this template for that. And so like these things you're doing that you don't even think about being important can be really important. You know, you have to perfect that skill set. So after you just do it, you have to be aggressive in your like approach to get out there but not enough to annoy people (laughs) so like uh, you know you can't i I get messages you know back when i was really in charge of the timeline now i've gotten luckily away from like the twitter timeline so much and i'm more higher level thinking about the concepts and you know creating the content rather than the scheduling and going through all the dms and stuff but we we would get messages every day from dudes who have an org quote unquote you know which is just a couple of friends with a jersey that want to sign these huge contracts or you know a 12 year old asking if you know we have any need for a call of duty a brazilian call of duty team for kids under 10 you know we we, would get everything (laughs) so it has to be relevant in your outreach but you can't be annoying you have to come with sources with things you've already accomplished the uh there's a, a perfect example. This guy named Matthew Corrigan. He is super talented. He loves esports and he hit up every single organization trying to cover the last year's Smites Worlds. And he had his resume with the videos he'd shot and everything. And I had seen it and it was in the back of my mind. I wasn't going to go reach out, but I, I already had a shooter, but my shooter fell through. And so I'm in a situation where I'm like, holy crap, what do I do? <gasps> there was a dude, Matthew who said he was going to be there. He begged me and he, he said he would do it for like dirt cheap. So I'm going to hit him up. And I did and worked with him and we had an amazing time. 
he got to introduce him to all the players. He shot a bunch of our content. I let him keep a bunch of it so that he could put on his channels. It was just a really good example of how to do outreach that's, you know, sticks with people. You can't get offended if you don't hear back because to be honest, there's a bunch of people I've blown off completely unintentionally because like, like I said, I'm operating out of fear the first two and a half years. I don't want to lose my job and I'm doing my best to stay afloat. So if I don't get back to you, it doesn't mean, you know, you did something bad or that I'm necessarily an asshole. It's more that like shit, you know, if, if it works out, it'll work out, but you got to keep trying. Don't take it as a discouragement. Like, oh, Corey Vincent didn't reply to me, so I might as well not reach out to anybody else. You know, reach out to everybody all the time and continually hustle your grind. All right. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. I mean, not to not to be old man sitting on a porch yelling at young kids, like telling them how it was back in my day, but it's like it's a lot easier and harder at the same time these days. Like esports, even though it wasn't necessarily – around in the same way that it is today back when i was like 22 23 uh back in 2013 2012 uh it's it's easier to get your work out like the the outreach is easier like the information is around and if you're smart enough you can figure out who to email or how to contact somebody i mean if you look at linkedin long enough and you find out how the emails are structured for yeah. a company. Is it first initial last name? Is it just first name at company name? And you can just shoot somebody an email. But ultimately, like you have all the tools in the world. Piracy is a little bit harder than it was back then, but there <laughs> there are a lot of open source tools that you can use to kind of like build up your portfolio. And if it's something that you want to pursue, make sure you're doing it in your free time outside of work. Because it gets, it'll get rough for that ass if uh, you're not producing anything, but you just are sitting at home constantly wondering what would have yeah. been if you were just like, man, I should have started last week. I should have started last week. Oh my god, what? What am I doing? What am I doing? You should just start right now. Just do Stay it. Get to it. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, did we it, lose him? Yeah. Maybe. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, he did. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Rip. Oh, no. All right. Well, looks like we lost our mans. Oh, no, we didn't even think I'm back. Say oh, oh, he's back. Oh. He's back. I think I'm back. All right. He's a little robotic, but we're getting there. We're getting... We're... Yeah, yeah. there we are. There we are. We're good. Right. That's um, like internet, you know. It's just not reliable. <laughs> hey, you know what? The last thing uh, to say about that was that uh, they, there truly is no such thing as an overnight success. You have to be, you have to go out and not necessarily fail, but just not succeed to what you may expect or think you're entitled to. I, Even I, the dudes I, like, I would go, go ahead. so far as to say you need to fail. Like any any creative industry, I think that's one of the things that really holds people back is that they're afraid to just do bad work. And you have to yeah. do bad work to do good work. Like, yeah, you can't. Yeah, failure is perfectly good. okay. It's it's totally acceptable, and it makes you stronger. Like, it definitely does make you better. But like with our show, like we went a long time where we would get five downloads per episode, you know, and that was just we we didn't get discouraged by that. You just had to keep doing it. You'd stick to that. You know, you have a quality product and shape it, make it better to where you actually accrue an audience. 
And I think a lot of people now just don't aren't used to that. They can't stream for a little while and see that there's you know less than ten viewers, and they think they're a failure because they're not ninja. No, you're you're on your own path, you know, and it, it's going to be different than anybody else's. Yeah, the, the one of the worst things for people to do is try to emulate the success of other people. Like Ninja had been streaming for a long, long time prior to hitting the numbers that he has, and it was more so just kind of out of luck than anything right he was right place right time he was doing the right things and he had been doing the same things since he had began streaming it's just that people started paying attention and it's not as if like last year he was less talented than he is today it's just that people managed to catch on and if you're if you're working you're working and somebody will take notice eventually but you also have to make sure you're putting yourself out there yep it's yeah, important. outreaching to to different conventions. There's a lot of uh, just about every city has a streamer meetup or a regional meetup. So even for us, like today, tonight, uh, uh you know, a lot of our crew is going to go to this NorCal streamers meetup just to meet people and say hi and see who's doing what and shake hands and you know potentially pick up new guests or do a collaboration stream with people. You just gotta stay social. You you gotta kind of leave your bubble every once in a while and just make sure you're grounded and making new friends and, and things like that. It's often underlooked. Yeah, definitely. How important is networking in the esports world? Oh, it's like one of the most important things. And it's not even just in esports. It's just in life right now. Like yeah. I know so many people with college degrees that can't get solid jobs, but uh, you know, I, I know people who, know the right people or were at the right party, you know, who were the VPs of content at energy esports now. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I booked 99% of every video game bang guest until Andy Miller, who David Webb, uh, my co-host booked. And that was the one guest who at the end of the show said he was hiring for a social media job. And I messaged him after the show, like immediately. And was like, I'm interested in this job. And I, you know, I went through the, the process for two months and then he gave me a shot. So, you know, the podcast was 100% the reason why I got this job, not just like in building my skills, but in networking. And that was the other thing about the show too. Like, and as you guys know, like if you guys send a blind email message to uh, Antonio Banderas to get him on your podcast, you're probably not going to hear back. But very you, start, you start with Corey Vincent, you know, and then, you know, I, I, I'm a easy get. And then, you know, you talk to EE or something from the Smash community who knows me, who's like, OK, that's credibility. Who's much bigger fish than I am. He's on the show. Then you get Nairo because Nairo knows EE and me, you know, and then he's a guest on your show. And then, you know, you start building this credibility, this repertoire of people in this network. <laughs> and, and Shaq, baby, that's how it works. <laughs> But, you know, it's like a small build. You can't just go straight to the top and expect it. It's a grind. You know, our first guests were just, you know, indie developer, local indie developers, you know, just people who wanted to talk and that we wanted to talk to, you know, very genuine, open, authentic relationships. And then when you go out to a bigger developer and you have this resume of smaller developers you've talked to, they feel comfortable with you and they join you. And, you know, so it's it all builds on the back of itself. It's a slow build. And I... I swear by that method of, of like rising. Yeah, it definitely works. But I will say, don't, if you're listening to this at home and you're like, oh, yo, we need to get a bunch of small guests first, you'd be surprised who will say yes just yeah. if you ask them. 
because like it's like Brennan Williams and uh, Wooly, no connection to them whatsoever. But it was uh, really weird. Just tweeted at them and they just said yeah, and I was like oh perfect, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and just I mean like a lot of I'm not everybody is like that of course, but yeah, people are it's, busy definitely worth just tweeting at somebody and asking them to come on if if that's your thing like if you're doing a podcast it would be different like if you're trying to arrange content or something like oh yeah uh, do like a scripted show or you know meet in person for a shoot yeah that's a little harder yeah but if you're doing a podcast you'd be surprised who says yes like we were surprised when Corey said yes hi Corey. (laughs) (laughs) no we gotta ask yeah, yeah. You just ask like that's how we got uh, Mia Khalifa. That was like the most random one. We didn't even tweet her to be on the show necessarily, but she had started uh, streaming on Twitch uh, the same night we had a show. We noticed a huge dip in the numbers, and then a few of our fans who came back were like, "Oh yeah, we were watching Mia Khalifa," and then like more people left because they were like, "Oh, Mia Khalifa streaming." So like it was just kind of the. It was like the theme of the episode was like, wow, Mia Khalifa just killed our audience and we made it a running joke. So we ended up titling the episode, you know, Mia Khalifa versus Video Game Bang. And she saw the headline because she reads, she you know manages her own Twitter and stuff and then DM'd us. And she was just like, kind of like, you got a problem with me? Like, you know, she, <laughs> you, you don't think I'm authentic? You know, like, are you questioning why I'm on Twitter? Like, she kind of made some assumptions about us, which we yeah. were like, no, we're we're totally memeing. Like, we, we're actually very big fans. First of all, <laughs> let's get that out of the way. Second of all, no, like, it was just a joke. And, you know, if you'd like to come on the show and talk about it, you know, we can flush things out. And she actually did, like, that next week. And oh, it was, man. to this day, one of our most popular episodes. And it just came out of pure social engineering, you know, luck, good marketing, all that kind of just rolled into one. So you're saying we have to title every episode after a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Beef. Start rap beef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what that's the lesson to learn. From I mean, that. Eminem's on a, on a hot streak right now. We'll just yeah. talk some mad shit about him, get him to write a rap track about us. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just get a diss track, dude. It worked for MGK. Yeah. yeah, look at MGK. He's so much happier now. <laughs> uh, does Mia Khalifa still stream? Or did she uh, start doing sports I stuff? Nothing about this. Yeah, it blew up pretty quick into sports stuff. I don't know where she ended up resolving at. I think she'll occasionally stream. And she was streaming like sports games anyways. Like she'd play NBA or NHL. Um, uh, but I haven't seen her uh, her streams in a little while. Oh, okay. Right. Well, yeah. Very curious. Well, I think she did. She had a show with Gilbert Arenas for a little bit on Complex, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, and I don't know what happened to that. I know Gilbert Arenas is so, he's on some other shit, though. <laughs> what a crazy dude, man. Uh, yeah, did, you, did you ever watch Gilbert's Snaps? No. It's, so if you go to YouTube and you look up Gilbert Arenas Snapchat stories, the, he's he's on some other shit he's he there was one where he like hops the fence to uh nick young's house and he just walks into his house and starts talking shit to him it was really crazy it was really intense that's social media done right yeah yeah the content creation he he was the jake paul of uh snapchat stories all right (laughs) all right 
<laughs> oh, oh, geez. Um, all right. Well, I guess that that kind of wraps everything up. Do you have any other questions? I got nothing else. All right, Corey. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at What's Up Pizzas. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm an okay follow. I don't do too uh, crazy. I don't walk into Nick Young's house or anything. But uh, <laughs> you want to see some behind the scenes stuff of uh, esports? I've been doing a lot of more uh, behind the scenes for podcasting too. So I do a podcast called Video Game Bang. We have a Twitter at Video Game Bang. We're all over iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, any anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find our show. But I've been going on Twitch more often under that account and actually showing people the behind the scenes stuff like how do you set up an RSS feed? How do I mix audio? How do I make sure that the it's not too quiet or too loud and uh, all these kinds of things and do full AMAs just to kind of help people get on their feet and uh, you know start their own creative adventures. So if you want to check out that, it's Video Game Bang. All links will be in the show notes and the description of this video. Uh, thank you very much, Corey, for joining us thank this you, week on Real Nerd Hours. I've been Denzel. I've been Chet. And we've been with Corey. You can follow the show on Twitter at XRealNerdHours. You can follow me on Twitter at that Denzel. You can follow Chet on Twitter at BushidoBrownSD. Excellent. You can join us on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash RealNerdHours. You can do the Facebook. I, I don't care. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can support the show on Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash RealNerdHours. Uh, you can find Corey on the internet, What's Up Pizzas on Twitter, uh what's up pizza do you stream on what's up pizzas for twitch uh, no i just kind of troll other channels and stuff with that one okay all <laughs> right so video game bang on uh twitch and yeah in follow nrg follow go buy a jersey go buy one of the <laughs> flags too put the flag on oh, your wall oh yeah those flags the flag actually i don't know if you can buy those flags hit me up for those all right yeah, go. I'll, sell I'll, I'll, do a, I'll sell them on the side. Yeah, yeah. there's your plug right there. Got the sweet <laughs> merch plug. All right, yeah. well, this concludes the stream for today. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you next week. No, no, we won't see you next week live. We'll just be – the. it'll be a normal show yeah. next week. All right, peace. Peace.